It's so weird thinking about where my state of mind was before I became a pelvic floor physical therapist, meaning that I never thought about the pelvic floor, probably like a lot of you out there. And I would never thought about like how important it was because I was never taught. So I, before I became a pelvic floor PT, I was under the impression that you had to do all your, all your Kegels and like that was the key to having a healthy pelvic floor because I was also <laughs> under the impression that the the tighter your vagina is, the more healthy it is. And this is so, so, so far from the truth. So if you take away anything from this episode, it's that there's a lot more to pelvic health than we've been led to believe literally our entire lives. But the main focus of this episode is going to be something that I see a lot um, a lot actually, and very erroneously at that, in that people are like, oh, well, I don't have any issues like that. I don't have to worry about my pelvic floor. So when I first started working in pelvic health and I, fir- I was marketing for my practice, I, people were like, oh, well, what is a pelvic floor therapist? What does that look like? And I'm like, oh, well, I help women overcome things like leaking or constipation and pain with sex and blah, blah, blah. And the first, I don't know like what people feel they need to prove, but well, there's, that's a whole can of worms. But the first reaction was always, oh, thank God. I don't have to, I don't have any of that. I don't have to worry about my pelvic floor. And then I kind of brushed it off at first. And then the more I thought about it over like the next couple years, I was like, this is kind of messed up that this is how we're thinking about our literal bodies and a literal part of our core. And I always say, we know how to work our glutes, right? All of our exercise programs, we're obsessed with our butts. We want to work our butts. We want to condition our butts and make them strong. None of us have, well, I'm going to say most of us have not torn our glute muscle, but we're still working it. We still know how to work it. We still want to work it. If you haven't had anything happen to your pelvic floor, and that's all subjective, by the way, why are we not paying attention to that too? You never tore your bicep, but you're doing bicep curls, I'm sure. Why aren't you doing the same thing for your pelvic floor? Now, we're going to take that one step further and say, if you've had a child, whether that be via C-section or vaginal delivery, why haven't you been taught to rehabilitate your pelvic floor? Because yes, childbirth is an injury. No matter how you slice it, no matter how it's done, it's still an injury to your body. So that's the topic for today. Do you need to pay attention to your pelvic floor if you're not, quote, having symptoms? Let's get in. Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to getting your damn life back. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist who is absolutely sick and tired of seeing women like you fall victim to bullshit products, bullshit advice, and being made to feel like you have to accept a bullshit life. Here we will uncover the good, the bad, and the ugly in regard to the health and wellness realm and have some fun along the way. I'm so excited that you've taken the first step in getting your damn life back. Let's get into the episode. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. We got the right, so we put the hammer right down. Wanna be like us? You better stick around if you want it. 
I want to start by saying this is not to scare anyone. This is not to be like you have so many issues, bleh, like going to the mechanic, you know, when you're like, oh, everything's great and wonderful. It's a sunny day. And then you go to the mechanic and there's a report card full of issues that you now need to spend thousands of dollars on. That's not the point of this episode. I just want you to think about your body differently other than what you've been told about it other than what you've been led to believe or you might possibly believe. It's just another way to think about it. So in I put out the episode about C-section aftercare and what happens with a C-section. If you've had a C-section and you haven't listened to that, I really strongly suggest you go back. It's the episode before this one. And a lot of people think that because they've had a C-section or they don't have possible pelvic floor issues or like glaring pelvic floor issues I should say that they don't have to worry about this and it's just like oh well I just do my kegels and then I go on with my day and that's not that's not really the best way to go about things so why the hell do I give a shit about this I give a shit because a I am so tired of this thought process going on in our society that people are broken after they've given birth or given life to another human. I'm so tired of it. And the fact of the matter is you feel broken from that because you have not been taught how to use your body afterwards. It's just like, oh, well, things can go back to normal because that human is out of you. So now get your shit together and get your ass in gear and jump back into doing all the things like a super person. And it just doesn't work like that. That's so dismissive. And it's like, it's basically like borderline gaslighting, I think. So when I say childbirth is like an injury, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm actually like, I'm being real here. Childbirth is like suffering an injury. Your your body has changed. You've used it in ways that you have not never used it before. And there's tearing going on, there's healing going on. If you've had something like a C-section, there's um, there's that surgery to recover from. And then when you have something like an injury, regardless of where that injury has occurred or where that surgery has occurred or however you want to slice it, you have to rehabilitate those muscles. You have to reacquaint yourself with that part of your body. And this is true for any in- injury. Like an ankle sprain, an ACL tear, you pull a muscle in your back, you have to reacquaint yourself and draw attention to that part of your body again and then recondition it. So why is childbirth any different? And even if you have not had a a child or don't plan on having children, it's still super important because you use these muscles every day to pee and poo and have sex and have an orgasm regardless of method and it's also literally one of our core structures so your core is not just your abdominals it's not just your six-pack your core is comprised of your pelvic floor your deep abdominals which actually lie under your six-pack your lower back muscles and your diaphragm and why is the diaphragm so damn important because it literally makes (laughs) makes you live you're using it for breathing and if we don't have good conditioning for all of the that deep core stuff going on this is why or I believe one of the reasons why we feel like we're useless piles of shit 
when we reach a certain age or after we've had kids or something like that. But the truth of the matter is, this is where the use it or lose it principle comes in. If you're never taught how to condition these muscles, how to use them, how to stop compensating because you can't use them efficiently, that's why your body is going to turn to that. And if you think about it, if one of your core structures or multiple core structures are compromised, no shit you're going to feel like you can't do anything because it's your fucking core. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like everything stems from there. So case in point with the pelvic floor, all things aside, say your pelvic floor wasn't the most functional. And by that I'm saying, let's give an example, a very common example. A lot of people hold their breath when they're doing something difficult, like lifting something or um, what else? Sometimes exercising, especially if it's a hard exercise, like a lift or a squat or something. You're holding your breath to gain some stability in your core to kind of like make up for muscles that might not be performing the best. So what happens when you hold your breath is that that entire abdomen and your chest cavity, it fills with air. So it's pretty stable. Like if you think about a soda can that you haven't opened yet, when you squeeze that soda can, it's pretty hard. That's like you holding your breath with doing anything. It's pretty stable in there. It's pretty hard. What happens is the muscles that should be helping you to gain that stability, they're not really working that much because you have a false sense of stability from that breath holding. So your pelvic floor doesn't really need to do much. Your deep core doesn't really need to do much. Your diaphragm is kind of hanging out there. And we don't like, and then there's a bunch of other issues that can kind of go down, get go down the line from here. But I really want to draw attention to this breath work thing. So if those... If your body is used to doing that on the regular, no shit your core and your pelvic floor are not functioning the best because they're waiting for that crutch. It's kind of like if you wore an ankle brace your entire life, your ankle doesn't have to do anything because the brace is doing the, the stability work for you. Same thing here. What happens when you're then cued to breathe through a movement? You probably look like a wobbly noodle sloshing all over the place because you don't have that core control so this is why even though you might have quote-unquote issues like glaring issues with your pelvic floor your pelvic floor could possibly not be the most or the best conditioned because a lot of us compensate with things like this The other reason why I think that pelvic floor health and pelvic floor conditioning is so important is because of anatomically where it lies. It literally lies between your lower back, your sacrum, so like your, the bone that leads to your tailbone and the tailbone. It lies, it affects those structures and it also affects your hip. So when you're walking, when you're lifting, when you're going up and down the stairs, you're using all of those muscles. And we know that what joints affect what, or I should say structures affect what live above and below them. So if the pelvic floor is smack dab in the middle of these two structures, and there's a lot of cases where people experience hip pain or lower back pain, why the fuck wouldn't you pay attention to the pelvic floor if it's literally living between those two structures? And I've said this in an earlier episode, but... A lot of pelvic floor issues go either undetected 
or misdiagnosed as a back or a hip issue because they could kind of they could kind of mimic that stuff just because of anatomically where it is that's number one number two a lot of and again this is not to shit on other professions but a lot of orthopedists and a lot of mds don't understand the role that the pelvic floor plays when it comes to things like stability when it comes to things like affecting what's happening at the hip and affecting what's happening at the lower back so things get missed they get misdiagnosed they go undetected and people are like well I had a hip replacement but it still hurts one of the common things with pelvic floor issues are people who have had a history of a hip labral tear or a labral tear or a tear in their like their hip socket kind of what lines that hip socket you don't ever know what comes first. It's like a chicken or an egg scenario. So who knows if the labral tear came first? Who knows if the pelvic floor stuff came first? I don't know. But I do know that a lot of people I see in my practice do have a history of hip labral stuff going on. And everything was because that's what came up on imaging. You have a torn labrum. You have a torn labrum. You have a torn labrum. It's done ad nauseum. The person went through a billion things of rehab and to a billion orthopedists and it's all hip labrum, hip labrum, hip labrum. And they're walking around in pain and then they come to pelvic floor PT. Their pelvic floor is tight as fuck and we restore the flexibility to the pelvic floor. They learn how, how to use their pelvic floor optimally and their fucking hip pain goes away. Do they still have a labral tear? Probably. But it doesn't mean that everything is stemming from the hip. So once we remove the restriction in the pelvic floor, the hip gets more mobile. We can strengthen it if that's what it needs. We can work on endurance if that's what it needs. We can restore certain ranges of motion if that's what it needs. But this is why it's so important to learn about your floor, learn how to relax it, learn how to use it, learn how to contract it without recruiting compensatory muscles like your butt like your six-pack like holding your breath like it it's so it's so crazy to me and again I'm very privileged because this is what I do for work but it's so crazy to me that so many of us are left in the dark when it comes to one of the most important parts of our bodies and we have no idea how to use it and how to condition it the pelvic floor is also super intricate because it's not like something like a bicep where like, okay, well, I know how to contract it and then I know how to lengthen it and that's what I have to worry about. Because it's a part of your deep core, we also, A, a lot of us don't know how to use it. We don't know how to lengthen it. We don't know how to contract it without compensating out the wazoo. So just relearning that and learning how to breathe and decrease those co- compensations that in and of itself can be really, really difficult for a lot of people. And then people get super frustrated. But I always tell them, I'm like, think about it. You went 30 years of your life without learning how to engage these muscles. You're not going to get it on day one. It's going to take a while. It's like being bed bound for a year and then expecting to go hike up Mount Washington next week. It ain't going to happen. You have to address those muscles the same way you would any other muscle groups. And we demand so much from things like our pelvic floor compared to things like our leg muscles, like our calves and our thighs and our butt. 
but it's the same it's the same concept we just can't see those muscles so it's not as it's not as second nature to us to think about it in that way as it is when we think about something like our hamstring you know what I mean um I hope that makes sense but we have to give our pelvic floor a lot more credit because we do use it extremely extremely often literally like in almost everything we do so if you're doing things like squeezing your butt cheeks together holding your abdominals in I had we had a call last week in um, one of my networking groups I actually did a presentation and one of the participants was saying how she always thought that like sucking in her tummy while she walked was good for her posture and it made her look very svelte and it made her look very streamlined and it kind of became a habit so over time like her abs were just living in this gripped state and this is not the most efficient for any muscle group you know what I mean because like we have to have a good amount of flexibility as well as strength and uh, endurance of those muscles. And if you're gripping all day long, your nervous system learns that pattern. So then without even thinking about it, you're doing things like clenching your butt cheeks together or holding your belly in. And those muscles get really tight. And over time, that tightness could actually weaken them. So your muscles can be tight and weak and... They assume that tightness because if they're weak, you need some stability. So it assumes that tightness to grant some form of stability. And it's just, it's just not, not the most efficient because again, we don't work in parts, right? We work as an entire system. So those muscles are affecting things up and down the line and it's just not a good time for anyone. So I want you to think about your pelvic floor like that, like any other muscle group. It's just not the most apparent because they're inside of us. We can't see them. We have no idea what's going on. And a lot of people don't know about it, so they don't talk about it. And what drives me really crazy is that people think once you become postpartum, your body goes to shit. And it's always like, well, that's just the downfall of having a vagina. My body's just broken. No, that's not the case. Our system is fucking broken because nobody refers out to someone like a pelvic floor physical therapist. And I believe that every postpartum person should see a pelvic floor PT, at least get an initial consult to know what you're dealing with because it's not the fact that you had a baby that has broken your body. The fact that you had a baby has stressed your body And you were never given the tools to rehabilitate it or to use it again. Would If you went skiing and you fell and you tore your ACL, would you just like stick a brace on it and be like, oh yeah, okay, well, I mean, I don't really need an intervention here. I'm just going to lay here and it'll heal itself in eight months. It will heal itself. But what patterns did you pick up over those eight months that you're going to carry out when you remove that brace? You're not going to bend your knee because you haven't bent it for eight months being that it was in a locked brace. 
You're going to kind of walk like a peg leg, I'm sure. The muscles in that leg have probably atrophied because you haven't used them without the brace. Do you see what I'm getting at? So that's kind of like you coming out of childbirth and thinking Kegels are going to fix everything. And you just sit there Kegeling your way at a stop through a stop sign. You've never been taught how to do them. You've never been assessed on whether you need them or not because your MD, your OBGYN, they don't know how to assess you for that. They do a lot of amazing things. That's not one of them. So you're probably compensating out the wazoo. You're pro- you might not even need Kegels. You might actually need the opposite. It's like putting a knee brace, a locked knee brace on a torn ACL and letting it sit. Kegeling and not being assessed after you've given birth is like putting a locked knee brace on your vagina. Well, I guess that would be a vaginal brace. Imagine if those existed. So weird. But yeah, that's my whole point. And again, like this is, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to think anybody, make anybody think they're broken or like, holy shit, everything's going to fall out of my vagina. I just want you to really think about this because why are we treating other injuries any differently or very differently, I should say, compared to one of the most important parts of our bodies? It's crazy to me. It makes no sense. So um, you are not broken because you had somebody come out of you. You are not broken because you gave life. Our system is broken in not giving you the tools to rehabilitate yourself from that experience and recondition your muscles from that experience and coordinate those muscles with other parts of your body. It's not just a pelvic floor thing. Like you're not going to sit there and do Kegels and reverse Kegels and breathe and be good to go. You have to coordinate it with other things more challenging things because it is a core structure it needs to work conjunctively with or in conjunction with other parts of your body to reduce compensations because if your pelvic floor cannot withstand things that are going on and to make up for that you're holding your breath when you do reach for something in your cabinet You might risk something like a prolapse happening or a tightness in your pelvic floor or weakness in your pelvic floor or who knows, everybody's different. Anything can happen. Over time, those compensations are going to add up and that is what leads you to thinking that your body turned to shit because you had kids or because you reached a certain age. It's not that one experience or that those three experiences of childbirth that did it. It was a culmination of not having the tools to rehabilitate yourself and learn about your body and use your body as a whole damn system that did it. So people always ask, when should I see a pelvic floor physical therapist? And I say, because I'm very biased, I feel like everybody who pees and poops should see one. If you're out there and you have someone with a penis in your life, they also have pelvic floor issues that can be addressed. I am just not trained in that that area but this goes so yes people with penises do have pelvic floor issues as well I also think they should be assessed by pelvic floor PT 
but I really think everybody who pees and poops, hands down, should have at least one evaluation from pelvic floor PT under their belt. Narrowing it down from there, by far, everybody, every single person who has given birth should have an evaluation from a pelvic floor physical therapist without a fucking doubt. Without a doubt, not even a doubt in my mind. It's commonplace in Europe. It's commonplace in other countries to refer out. It is not commonplace here, which is a shame. And I hope that changes. But until then, you are your own advocate. There's nothing wrong with asking your OBGYN or your MD for a referral for physical therapy. I will say there are what's called direct access laws in each of the 50 states. You can just Google your state direct access physical therapy and it will tell you. So, um, for example, in New York, you can see a physical therapist without a script from your doctor for a certain period of time. In New York, that's either 10 visits or 30 days, whichever comes first. Every state is different. Now, that's the legal part of it. Insurance, however, may dictate whether they'll pay for your visit if you take advantage of that direct access law. Some insurances require that you have a script on file. Even though it's totally legal Your insurance, for God knows whatever reason, probably because they're fucking stupid and they make everybody jump through hoops, your insurance, depending on what plan you have, what carrier you have, they might request an MD script to be on file. So just be aware of your plan, what it covers, um, if that is something that you're thinking about. But if you do need a script, there don't even like I don't care if you feel like you're being a bitch I don't feel like you're being if you feel like you're being a dick or aggressive you kind of need to get a no you need to get aggressive sometimes when it comes to your health so going in there and saying I want a script for physical therapy um they might try to talk you out of it I don't know why some of them do that it pisses me off but just stand your ground I want a script for for pelvic floor physical therapy that's all you need to say You are entitled to it. This is your body. This is your life. This is your longevity. There's nothing wrong with asking for that. When you seek out a pelvic floor physical therapist, make sure that you are actually seeing someone who is trained in pelvic floor physical therapy. It's a new buzzword and I say this. I'm going to say it as often as I can. People will say they treat the pelvic floor and they have no fucking idea what they're doing. They'll make you do Kegels. They do not assess you. I've worked in places like this. It's why I left. It's why I went out on my own. So when you call, you're going to ask the front desk, what is the physical therapist's training? Herman and Wallace and the APTA are the two big heavy hitters. Even if you decide to waive the internal assessment, you want to make sure your physical therapist knows how to do an internal assessment and specifically ask them that. Because if they have not, get the fuck out of there. I'm telling you right now. There's a lot of quacks out there. And there's a lot of people who are going to places that have no business treating pelvic floor issues. People in this profession, some of them, not saying all of them, some of them, they think Kegels are the only way (laughs) to rehab pelvic floor. Because that's what they learned that's what they learned out in society, you know? We don't get this training in physical therapy school. 
We don't. I'm telling you right now. We don't. I barely did. And I was one of the programs that actually touched upon it. But we did not get any form like real training where we can go out and feel confident and comfortable treating someone with pelvic floor issues. We didn't. So you you need to be your own advocate. And I know it's hard and I know it's uncomfortable. But honestly, sometimes you have to be a dick to get what you need. Okay. The other things that might not seem like a big deal or something. These are really common issues that I've seen where people are like, I've kind of been living with blah, blah, blah for a long time. And I wonder if that was a precursor to all my symptoms going on. I made a list of these for all of you just so that you can kind of get a a sense of what this might look like if you do, if you are not postpartum and you do wonder if you should consult a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, we talked about C-section, any abdominal surgery. So, um, if you are, some people will compensate and they won't really get breath into that, that abdominal region that could put a compensation for your pelvic floor and your deep core. And again, I'm not talking about six pack. I don't care how many hollow holds you did. You might not be recruiting your deep core, the muscles that live under the six pack efficiently. And that's what we really want to look at. And what is your diaphragm doing? Any abdominal surgery, you might be a good pelvic floor candidate. A history of falling on your butt. So this is the bone I was talking about before, your tailbone or your coccyx, heavily influenced by the pelvic floor and vice versa. This can potentially help. Chronic constipation that's not GI related is absolutely something else. You might have a pelvic floor muscle restriction. So it's kind of like closing around your rectum, which is where your poop comes from. And your poop has a difficult time coming out. So that's another thing. If you have a history of pain with penetrative sex or tampon use or gyno exam, and you've been told this is normal, that's not normal. Actually, all these things that I'm saying are not normal. They're just very common and very overlooked. So if any of this pertains to you, I would be more than happy to jump on a discovery call with you. It's totally free and see if Um, either I can help you or I can point you in the direction of someone who might be able to. So that's always an option. Always an option. It's not a hard sales call. Trust me. That's not my style. I don't do that. I was, when I first opened, I was trained to do that. And then I did it like once I was like, fuck this. This is stupid. It's literally a discussion on whether pelvic floor PT might be right for you. Um, anything else? And then another thing too, if you have a history of sexual trauma or sexual abuse or even just trauma in general. Um, first, I really implore that you go talk to a mental health professional if you don't have one yet. That's really important. So what happens with trauma, a lot of people will hold that trauma in their pelvic floor, which sounds so crazy, but it's so true. So just like there's emotional hurdles to get over. You also might have some physical hurdles to get over as well. So I actually have a couple of clients, one-on-one clients now who are working with a trauma therapist and they're working with me. So we're working on the emotional and the physical aspect together. And I really feel that um, that's really, really important to note because your trauma can possibly manifest physically as well as emotionally. And, um, again, like if you're like, oh my God, I don't want anybody like doing internal work on me. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. That's totally, totally fine. Okay. You still want to make sure you're seeing someone who's well-versed in internal work just because like 
We're also taught how to evaluate externally, but we do have that um, that training, that education on what's going on internally to kind of like brainstorm, okay, well, I think this might be going on here, so let's try this externally, and this might be going on here, so let's try this method. Even though we're not doing any internal work, we still have the knowledge behind it. And then if you do decide you're comfortable with internal work, you can always voice that with your therap- your physical therapist, and um, they should always be asking you for consent anyway. So, and never be pushy about things. So for me, just to give you an example of what that looks like with my one-on-one clients, I always ask them on the discovery call, are you okay with an internal assessment? If this is obviously if they're an in-person client, we don't do this virtually, but um, are you okay with an internal assessment? And then I always tell them like, it's okay if you waive the internal assessment, but I just want to make sure you're okay with it because depending on what we find, this might be a part of your treatment, blah, blah, blah. Then I ask them on the day that I'm thinking of doing the internal assessment. I ask them. I ask them multiple times just to make sure. And I ask them on every session. Um, just because like I'm not going to force people to do things they're not comfortable with. Pelvic floor stuff is so involved emotionally that if your body is guarded, if your brain is guarded, it's really not going to do anything for you. Like It's kind of like there's no point to the session so I'd rather calm your nervous system down and do things that you are comfortable with rather than force you to do things that you're not ready for if that makes sense and I feel I feel like every pelvic floor physical therapist should be the same way um so all of that stuff (laughs) that's what I really wanted to address because I don't feel like enough people are talking about it pelvic floor health goes way beyond kegels it goes way beyond having a tight vagina it goes way beyond a lot of things we don't give our pel- our bodies enough credit for. Okay, so if you're ever feeling like something is off and you're kind of being dismissed and being told, oh, well, you had a baby a year ago and you're still leaking. That's totally normal. No, girl, it's not normal. It's not normal. Don't accept it as such. These things are super, super common and we've normalized them. They're not normal. There is help for you. You just have to find the right provider. So again, Herman and Wallace, um, they actually have a directory. So if this is something that you're considering and you're thinking about looking into it, Herman and Wallace, if you go to their website, they have a a rehab directory where you can search your area and then a bunch of pelvic floor PTs who have registered with them will pop up. And then also, if you go to pelvicguru.com, they also have a directory where you put in your lo- your location and um, a bunch of pelvic floor PTs will pop up there. Um, so that's going to be your homework if this sounds like something that's for you. I also, I'm having um, the next cohort for Finally Floored will be opening in the fall. I'm thinking um, we'll kick off sometime in September. So If you're not familiar with this, this is a program for those of you who have no idea how to condition your floor and how to coordinate it with the rest of your body. It's a 12-week program. We start literally from the very, very basics, pelvic floor and core, and then we build our way up to an all-encompassing total body program. 
Um, there's instruction. It's I love this program so much. So I'm gonna drop the um the waitlist information below. You don't have if you sign up for the waitlist, you're not obligated to join. It just ensures that you're on the list so that when I do start sending stuff out for information, you know what the program's about, you know what it looks like, you know the cost, and you get first dibs on sign up if you do decide it's something you want to um if you want to do. I love it. It's so great. So dropping that down below. If you want to jump on a discovery call to see if pelvic floor PT is something that might benefit you, I would be more than happy to talk to you. Like I said, this is not a hard sales call. It's totally free. We literally sit and chat virtually and see what's going on with you. And then if you decide to sign up, you sign up. If you don't, that's fine too. If you want to find somebody else in your area, I will help you do that if I can. I'll try as best as I can. So um, just jump on my Instagram there and you'll see the booking, the booking button on my Instagram profile. So I hope you all got something out of this. I hope you're thinking about your bodies and your floors way differently than you were 24 hours ago. And yeah, I just love talking about this stuff. So any questions, comments, concerns, please drop them. Please send me a line and... Until then, we will see you on the next episode of Finally Fearless.